Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yereld, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And as usual, we have a very interesting guest today. Mark Thurston is here today, and we're going to be talking about well-being practices for navigating in uncertain times. So this is a really cool video that you might want to share with your friends. But before we get started with Mark, I want to, I've been doing something where I talk about what's going on with humanity. And let me just say, there's a couple things I want to talk about this morning. First of all, there were 30 Philadelphia officers injured, one run over by a truck in protest after police fatally shot a black man. Now, this is in Philadelphia, and I'll just read this. This is from USA Today. Police in Philadelphia said 30 officers were injured during violent protests Monday night that broke out after police shot and killed a 27-year-old black man who authorities said had a knife. Now, more than 300 people marched through the streets of Philadelphia late Monday into early Tuesday to protest the shooting of Walter Wallace Jr., which was captured on video. Dozens of officers were injured with rocks, bricks, and other projectiles. A 56-year-old female officer was hit by a pickup truck and hospitalized with a broken leg. That's from WCAU-TV reported. It says a police car was set on fire. Officers used batons to push crowds back, according to videos shared on social media. The crowd was largely dispersed. Now, several businesses were looted, and more than 30 people were arrested on charges of looting, rioting, and assaulting officers. So, wow. Um, prayers for the people in Philadelphia. I mean, such unrest. Crazy. Um, I want to also bring up some good news, because I like to share some good news. And I pulled this up this morning, and it's a man travels 1,400 miles to play music for his brother that's recovering from the coronavirus. And I'll make this brief, but for anyone living or recovering in a rest home, COVID-19 has kept family members and friends apart. One family in Bozeman is using music to reconnect. And I love this. Robert Graham decided to take a road trip to visit his brother, Bill, who's recovering at the Gallatin County Rest Home. And the plan was to, to gather a group of trombones and play outside Bill's room. So 1,400 miles it took to get there, Graham said, and you heard it right. Robert drove from Virginia to put on the musical performance. So the group of five trombonists played a number of tunes and hymns to classic brass melodies. Robert said, it's all about the therapeutic nature of music. So that was really cool. And that's fantastic. Now, listen, before I bring Mark on, I want to remind you guys, I'm doing psychic readings again. So if you would like for me to read your cards, do a psychic reading for you, just go onto my website, nancyyearout.com, and I will give you a 30-minute or an hour reading. If you mentioned High Road to Humanity, I will give you a 20% discount. So there you have it. Now, let's talk about Mark Thurston. 
let me give you a little information. He's been on the show before. Um, he has worked with the Edgar Casey Foundation for years, but let me just read his bio because he's a really interesting man. Mark Thurston, PhD, is an educator, a psychologist, and an author of more than a dozen books about personal spirituality, dream psychology, meditation, and mind-body well-being. Now, among his publications is The Essential Edgar Casey uh, that came out in 2004, Willing to Change the Journey of Personal Transformation that came out in 2005, and Mark's work for um, the Edgar Casey, Casey Foundation uh, at the uh, University in Virginia Beach. He has 36 years there. In 2009, he moved into a new phase of his soul's purchase purpose, which became the director of educational programs for George Mason University Center for the Advancement of Well-Being. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Hey, Mark, welcome to High Road to Humanity. Thank you, Nancy. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Hey, where are you at? You're in Virginia right now, correct? I'm in Northern Virginia, right. Okay, yes. so what's the situation with the COVID? How are things going for yourself and, and I think your wife, Elizabeth, right? Mary Elizabeth? Uh -huh. Yes. Well, we're, we're not a hot spot. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed with how um, collaborative people are in terms of taking seriously our responsibility, not only to protect ourselves, but to protect each other. I mean, just mm -hmm. go in the grocery store, everybody's wearing a mask. It, it doesn't cool. seem to be a real controversial thing. Okay. Um, for the most part, the public schools are not open. So a lot of parents are having to deal with the stresses of working from home and trying to supervise distance learning, virtual learning. Right. Um, I think it's challenging for students, um, college students that I teach. Most courses for most of the students are virtual online courses, which maybe lends itself better to academic university study than it does being a kindergartner or a right. third grader. Um, <laughs> but I think everybody's missing sort of the social support that we're right. used to. You, you mentioned earlier this phrase about connection and, and needing connections with each other. So mm -hmm. I think that's a real crisis point for almost everybody. Yeah, I think so too. Has it affected you personally as far as you said you were teaching, you were doing online teaching? So that's the biggest effect, I guess, it's had on you and your family. Right, that I don't get to be in the classroom with my students as much as I enjoy that. I, I had, had some experience earlier with doing online teaching. So it's kind of, it was an easier transition for me than for some. Right. Um, and, and actually, in many ways, since my courses often deal with resilience and mindfulness and mind-body health, mm -hmm. um, the kind of topics that I like to teach about are kind of front and center for most people nowadays. So it's really made a lot of the material that I do academic teaching on that much more relevant. Right. Well, that's why I'm glad you're here today. Now, what are you doing to stay balanced? Hmm. Well, um, this morning, my wife and I had some playtime with our 17-month-old granddaughter. Oh, fun. It helps me stay young and <laughs> in the present moment. It's a kind of meditation just to be in the present moment with her. Nice. Um, trying to continue to work with nutrition and exercise as a way of just keeping my own immune system as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. um, we have a morning meditation time for about 30 minutes almost every single day. That's really important to us. Yes. And just trying to be of support and service to other people. I think that's really what's meaningful to both my, my wife and to me. And that's an important part of our own well-being. Yeah. And, you know, I looked up um, some of the facets of well-being. Uh, they were um, 
the five ways I, I pulled this off the internet. It said the five ways to well-being were developed by, uh, oh, this is for New Zealand and UK. This is what they're doing over there. Mm-hmm. They say connect. There's five things. Connect, keep learning, give, which I think you just mentioned, be active. And they said, take notice. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's kind of a mindfulness thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because mindfulness isn't just something we sit and do as a meditative practice. It's really, we're challenged to be alert and present and noticing throughout the day, no matter what we're doing. Right. Well, what do you, when you teach your students, what do you tell them um, the five sa- the facets of well-being are? Well, there, there's different models of this. Um, one of the co-founders of the positive psychology branch of of psychology, uh, Marty Seligman developed a model um, that has five elements to it that I I sometimes use in class. I I have my own list of qualities that I think are critical. So I tend to focus on positive attitudes and emotions or positivity, Mm -hmm. um, resilience, um, cultivating meaning in one's life, becoming more mindful, to me, those are four big ones. I mean, mm-hmm. There's lots of ways to slice this and come up with different mm-hmm. you know, lists yeah. and so forth. Right. But to me, those are, the, are kind of the most critical one. Maybe also in that list ought to be knowing what our strengths and our values are, really being able to look at ourselves and with the, the eyes of appreciating what's really good about ourselves, what our gifts and talents are, and even more importantly, what our ideals and our values are. Right. Because in stressful times, we're really challenged about what part of ourselves we're going to operate from, and we need to find ways of connecting to our core values. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in a way, I've, I've said on different shows, and I'll, I'll mention it to you, is that I think this COVID-19 has made us stay home and actually go within and realize what is important in our lives. You know, we get so busy and we get so, you know, caught up in, in life and it's actually made us sit still. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I, I've had people ask me about, okay, how can I make connections once again with people because I feel so cut off? Mm-hmm. A part of my answer, even to myself is, can I make better connections with myself? Is this really an opportunity to make some inward connections? Right. And as I can use this time to know myself more deeply, it's going to allow me to reach out and be empathetic and connect to others with a qualitatively different stance. Right. Well, and you mentioned uh, meditation and I'm really big on meditation as well. It's difficult. I'm a type A personality, so it's hard for me to sit for 30 minutes, but I do my 10 to 15 minutes every day, but it does calm the mind and the soul, it seems, when you still yourself, when you still the mind for a while, what do you think? I think a lot of times it calms us down. Yeah. But within the traditions, the ancient traditions about meditation, there's also the fact that sometimes as we begin to quiet the mind down, stuff comes up. Okay. It can be disturbing or difficult for us. And If we're going to cultivate a meditative life, we need to be ready for disturbing things to also arise, things we still feel guilty about, ways that we were wounded in the past, we've sort of pushed beneath the surface. And so it's actually courageous to have a meditative life, just like it's courageous to study our own dreams or almost anything that takes us into deeper knowing of ourselves. 
Well, it's not think, always going to be sweetness and light. Yeah, I think that's cool that you said that. Hey, listen, we're getting ready to go to commercial break, but we'll be back to talk about this a little bit more. Hey, you guys, I'm here today with Mark Thurston, PhD. We're talking about wellness. This is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity, and we will be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm joining with Compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Mark Thurston. We're talking about well-being. We're talking about balance, meditation. You know, there's a lot of things that people say, well, what can I do while I'm at home? And, and you know, people start to get bored. And I think um, I wanted to mention that some cool activities you can do or maybe playing cards with your spouse or go back to basics and play some board games and get off the electronic games and some of that kind of stuff. Uh, what do you think? Are you recommending those little things too to people? Oh, sure. I think we need to be kind of creative and playful around this as much as it's possible to do. Um, I know I've got four, maybe five books that I've bought over the last six months that I intended to read. Mm -hmm. And how how often do I get off Netflix or get off Amazon Prime videos and actually sit down and read some things that I said I wanted to read? So I think there's these little choices about whether we're going to use these times of being more shut in or more constricted in our ability to get out and really use those times in a, in a constructive way. I don't think anybody wants to feel guilty if you watch a sports event or if you watch a movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's easy to kind of just fall into patterns where we're zoning out or kind of wasting time. So yeah. Really you know, yeah. 
I agree with that. I was thinking today, you know, I need to come up with a schedule of when I'm going to work out and when I'm going to do certain things because it is when you're at home, it's really easy to just go on and turn on Netflix and see, you know, what kind of good mood. And, and that's okay every once in a while, but I don't know. It seems like I have to create a little structure for myself. Do you find that as well? Or do you recommend that? No, I, I always have my list at the end of the day, what I'm going to have as priorities for the next day. And I think in making that list, there needs to be some downtime as well. There needs to be some just yeah. space as well. Yeah. So we don't overwhelm ourselves with our list. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as connecting, you know, that's the biggest thing, you know, you go to the store, you know, go to the grocery store, everybody's got a mask on and, you know, you used to smile at people and you can't tell what, their facial expression is with the mask on. And it's so different. I I hate that part. But the cool part is we do have things like FaceTime where I can talk to my grandkids, I guess the upside, and talk to my daughters and see what's going on in their lives and kind of see what's happening with them. But this whole connection thing has been lost. What do you feel about that? Yeah, we need to find new ways to connect, don't we? I think the, the mask thing in the grocery store is a good example because even if we can't see if somebody else is smiling or not, or it's not as easy to talk, are there still ways that we can exhibit respect and kindness for each other, for example? Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just the way you navigate around the aisles. Mm-hmm. Are, are we patient with each other? Are we respectful and kind to each other just in our body language and the way we move through the store? Right. And that's different than smiling. It's different than chatting. But there's still opportunities in some different ways to exhibit that kind of kindness and caring for each other. Yeah. It's interesting you would say that because I went to the store this weekend before the snowstorm. We had a big snowstorm here in New Mexico, you guys. And uh, so I wanted to hit the grocery store first. And I went in and I had a good attitude. And this guy was just like, I was in his way and he was in a hurry. And I was like, wow, the, the tension from, you know, I could feel the energy, the tension of different people. But then on the flip side, you see other people, hey, can I help you out? Or what can I do? Or are you looking for anything in the store or whatever? And so you see both. And then the biggest thing, and it cracks me up, I don't know if you have this, but they have those arrows down the aisle. And so I always find myself going the wrong way down the aisle and apologizing to people. Do you have you run into that too? Or (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes halfway down the aisle, I realize I'm going the wrong way. I know, right? But I think it's a good example about the guy who was in a hurry or all frustrated. I mean, what do we do when we encounter somebody else's suffering? Mm-hmm. Because he was either frustrated or hurting or suffering in some broad sense of the word suffering. Maybe not physiologically. But it, it's so easy to then be offended or feel like we're not being respected. And do we latch onto that? Sometimes we drift into the, the mental talk around getting even in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do something to make him even more frustrated. And we just got to watch that. I mean, that, that's largely what kindness is all about. It's easy to be kind to somebody who's being kind to you. Right. But the real challenge is when somebody else is suffering and they're not behaving in a very respectful way, can we still find a way of being kind? Right. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Cause I thought, well, I guess he's having a bad day and I just kind of moved on and, and didn't think too much about it. Now, years ago, it may have bothered me, but I think as you get into this work a little bit more, you start to realize, just like you said, it's not about you. It's about that person who's having some issues. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's kind of a tough thing. Um, as far as um, you know, a lot of a lot of people have been joining online groups, and they've been taking classes. Have you seen uh, you know an uptake of that in your business of what's going on? Do you see more people taking classes than before? Yeah, like for example, this semester I, I have sixty five students this semester at the university, and so wow. all that teaching is is online teaching. Right. One of my course has face to face every week for two or three hours. We were it's like the old Hollywood Squares game where we had twenty six people there in the in the squares. Although I I've been really impressed with the quality of learning and sharing that's been possible even in that format. I think there's even some people that are doing better with that than they do in in the classroom. Why? Um, Why do you think that is? Well, something about we're kind of all equals on on the screen. It's like okay. there's nobody sitting at the front of the room and somebody else at the back. Right. It's a little harder to hide that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's really easy for me to create little trios or, or foursomes to, um, on Zoom to have little chat room things with each other and then come back to the big group. And I, I've actually found that it's, it's been kind of nifty and valuable. Wow. Now, I'm certainly hoping at least by next fall semester, we're going to be able to be back in our traditional classroom setting. But I think this is challenging us to be flexible and adaptable mm-hmm. and, and also very appreciative of how good we really do have it. I, I know that that's easier for me to say because I have this sort of job that can be done at a distance and some people are in much more dire straits. But for those of us who really are blessed and are able to navigate these different times, We've got to stay thankful, I think, and mm-hmm. and really see how we are blessed, even when we're inconvenienced. Right. No, I agree with that. And, and that's something I try to do, too, and I hope people do that as well. I feel blessed to be in a warm home and, you know, when it's snowing outside and being safe and being able to do my work, just like you, I'm a real estate broker as well. And then I do my, all my videos and all my, and my show and my podcast and all this stuff, but I'm able to work from home. So like you, I feel blessed because there's a lot of people that really are out of work and are having a difficult time and financially there's a lot of stress. I, I see so many homeless people. Um, what can we do to help the other people who are not as blessed as we are? Do you have suggestions or? Yeah. Well, sometimes there are little things that we can literally do to be helpful, but I think it, it begins with having an, an empathetic, empathetic and compassionate frame of mind about this and not, okay. And not trying to ignore it or put our head in the sand or pretend like it isn't going on and just be willing to experience the discomfort of knowing that there is suffering going on mm-hmm. and then be alert for little things that we can do. One of the courses I'm teaching this year or this semester is on the helping professions and how there's tendencies for those in the helping professions to experience burnout and compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this as a broader thing than just COVID times. Just in general, if you're a counselor or a school teacher or a social worker, you're kind of in the trenches de- dealing with a lot of the suffering that goes on in the world. And how can you do that kind of a career and not after three years, just give up on it and you know, mm-hmm. be burned out. Right. And, and so some of that is self care and some of it is just willing to 
do little things just to contribute to things moving in the right direction and not getting discouraged if you can't do the big deed that suddenly changes everything. All right. Like and pay it forward at the, right. Like pay it forward at the coffee place or what are some of your suggestions that you can do? Yeah. Some, sometimes just listening to say, if, if you see somebody who's begging for food or money, right. can you see them as a person mm-hmm. and, you can make the decision about whether you have some money to share with them, but you can also maybe have a little conversation with them, mm-hmm. let them know they're seen as a person as well. And I think all of us, myself included, tend to shy away from that. It's like, oh, give them $5 and I can walk on. We're right. afraid. And it may be a, a bigger gift to just say, you know, I'm sorry, this is such a tough time right now. And, and to engage them in a five-minute conversation. That may be more important than the $5. Right. And that takes strength in you to do that. And it takes, sure. yeah, and I, that takes courage. And I think that's wonderful that you, that you say that. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go to commercial break again. But when we come back, I want to get your feelings on some of the unrest that's happening and if you think that maybe the covid has something to do with this or is this just the way of the world so maybe we'll talk about that when we come back from commercial break hey you guys i'm here today with mark thurston i'm he has tons of books out there mark how do people get your books are they all on amazon.com well some have gone out of print but are still available you know in 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 the used book kind of how do people find you if they have a question or if they want to take one of your classes the easiest way to reach me is just markthurston.com, M-A-R-K-T-H-U-R-S-T-O-N.com. Okay. That takes you to a page on the website of the nonprofit organization that my wife and I um, have been running. Okay. And I've also made some um, guided meditations that are oh, relevant cool. to nice. things people are going through today. Awesome. Um, can okay. I go ahead and say how they find those? Or yeah, go for it. Go later? for it. Go for it. Oh, so I made one of these little tinyurl.com links. So it's tinyurl.com forward slash six, the number six, guided meditations. Okay. And that'll take you to a page where I've recorded six of these that are dealing with contemporary topics where I'd have a little teaching for three or four minutes. Okay. Guided meditation for three or four minutes. So some of the things we've been talking about today, like dealing with uncertainty. All right. Well, let's talk about the topics when we come back from commercial break. Hey, you guys, perfect. This is Nancy Uralt. This is High Road to Humanity, and we will be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. 
I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle sparkingwholeness. And now let's get back to the show. We will be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Mark Thurston having a wonderful conversation about well-being. Mark, you were telling us about some of your videos. Let's talk about that and then or your meditations. And then I want to talk about um, what's going on in the world. So continue on. You were saying you have six different meditations? Yeah, I was actually invited to do this project this fall um, by a friend who works for the National Industries for the Blind. This is a nonprofit organization that works with employers all over the country that hire blind individuals. And they do an annual conference that's usually been in Washington, D.C., but this October it was a virtual conference. And they wanted some little things to do during the break times between the various workshops and lectures and so forth. And so I created half a dozen of these little seven-minute experiences where I took a a theme, a contemporary theme, and I did a little three-minute teaching about it and then a guided meditation on that theme. So the topics, let's see how many of them I can remember. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what are they? (laughs) Stress management, um, cultivating resilience, um, slowing down the pace of life, reconnecting this whole thing that we talked about earlier about what is, what does it mean when we're feeling disconnected and how do we make reconnections? And there's one more that'll maybe pop into my head later. Okay. And and were they very successful with the, um, with the group? The, the conference was just a week ago, so I haven't gotten any feedback about the extent to which they were used, but um, it, it was a great opportunity for me to actually script the script, write these and record them. And then um, I have use for them as well. I've just put them on our website as a free resource for people. Tell me a little bit, before we get into other things, tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing, your, your organization that you developed. What's going on with that? I know, tell the audience when, it, when you started it, why you started it, that type of thing. Yeah, so it's called the Personal Transformation and Courage Institute. Okay. We, we abbreviated PTCI, and it began 20 years ago. We've been a nonprofit educational organization for two decades now. Wow. And it began with me having a full-time job and my wife having a full-time job as an attorney and a mediator. We were kind of doing this on the side. Okay. And the idea was to create experiential learning courses and training around emotional, spiritual healing, kind of helping people deal with blocks that would help them fulfill what their life purpose was all about. And it's pointedly not therapy. It's not psychotherapy, but it's awareness training. Okay. And so we do a lot of things that are free. We do a lot of things that are more structured courses for a fee. 
And if people go to markthurston.com, it actually takes you to the bio page about me on the website of the organization. Okay. That's awesome. I mean, that's got to be a, a, a thrill to have done this for 20 years and help so many people. How's your feedback on this? Has it been really uplifting? or? I, I think it's been really successful. Um, awesome. We're, we're, we're trying to kind of marry ancient wisdom with sort of modern neuroscience and modern consciousness research. Mm-hmm. And um, my wife's made a lot of studies around Tibet Buddhism and she's in training programs around Tibet Buddhism. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay abreast of some of the neuroscience just as a psychologist myself. And we just love working with people who want to work on themselves. Right. And I think having the word courage in the name of the organization is really appropriate because any kind of deep self-reflective work takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, it's hard to work on yourself because none of us are perfect. And like you were saying earlier, when you meditate or when you still your mind, some things that aren't always pleasant come up. But maybe that's a good thing in a way that you can recognize and deal with it. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think what you just said is akin to the way I tend to approach stress management. Okay. So w- one of the six topics I mentioned, or I named five out of the six. Okay. Um, but one of them is stress management. And I think often we hear that term and think, oh man, I'm really stressed now. Yeah, tell me how to manage my stress. Mm-hmm. And I think, including myself, what tends to pop into our mind is how, how am I going to kind of suppress the stress or make it go away? We have the sense of management, like get it over in its corner where it won't bother me. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet the word stress is something I think we need to kind of understand more deeply because we need stress of certain sorts in our lives. I mean, you wouldn't probably get a lot of good things done in your life if there weren't a little bit of stress. Or I say to my students, aren't some of the best papers you've ever written because there was a deadline and you're going to get a grade. And, yeah. But more often what happens to us is that the stress turns into distress. And that's where the tension is no longer creative tension. It's really become a debilitating tension. Okay. And that's what we need to transform is, is debilitating distress. And, so it probably starts by just having a different relationship to the stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, can we just sit with it? Can we feel the tension? Can we listen to it? Can we not so much be controlled by it or sabotaged by it, but just kind of feel what its message is and begin to get a little space from it so it isn't controlling us and our emotions so fully? And debilitating us, right? I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So in in large part, that's what I think meditation is about. It's not trying to suppress the demands of life or the things we're wrestling with. It's trying to help us create a different relationship to those feelings or to those demands that we have. And And it really is kind of stress transformation rather than stress suppression. Okay. A lot of people get stressed out and they have a beer or they have a glass of wine or they take a antidepressant or they take mm-hmm. a pill. You know, what are your thoughts when you find that people are doing that? How do you, how do you help them? Well, I better start just with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So just being aware of the extent to which I use things like that to avoid we all do. dealing with things. In, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, on the one hand, it's fine to have a glass of wine at the end of the day if I'm feeling really tired. It's going to help relax me. 
Mm. And, but it's another thing if I need two glasses of wine every night, day after day. And, and now it's become beyond a crutch. It's become a habit that really um, is probably not promoting my, my well-being. So we, we need to have releases. We need to have ways of letting off steam. But the problem comes when we lose our agency in regard to those and we begin working for them instead of them working for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think things like social support and um, having healthy habits around exercise and nutrition. I mean, we all kind of know the self-care things we need to be doing. And the question is, are, are we doing them? It's not a lack of knowledge more often than not. It's kind of a crisis of our right. will force. Right. Well, it's easy to go get the Cheetos out of the, you know, out of the, <laughs> the closet when you're at home and nobody can see you do it or have that yeah. extra glass of wine or, oh, well, it's four o'clock. I can go ahead and, you know, do whatever. It's, it's discipline and it's difficult. I think it's difficult for everybody. You know, people get, they're at home and they're a little stressed. And so I see a lot of this and, and that's why I'm bringing it up because nobody talks about it, yeah. you know? I think we have to plan in advance to a certain extent. It's like if you want to use the evening hours in a more constructive way than just zoning out in front of the TV, mm-hmm. then you got to plan in advance. I mean, when okay. your mind's sharp and fresh in the morning, okay, this evening, here's a constructive show that's really going to inspire me and lift my spirits that I'm going to watch. Right. Or here's a little game that I was playing with myself for a while with mixed re- results, but Oh, and even, I want to have a little bit of ice cream. Okay, that's okay. But the deal I made with myself was, first I'm going to have several tablespoons of non-sugared applesauce. Okay. So I'm going to start with some fruit. And then if I feel like I still need the ice cream, that's okay. But the deal I make with myself is there's a healthy alternative that I have to do first. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish I could report on 100% success with that. <laughs> But I think it's an example of kind of a playful way that we can strategize with ourselves to make healthier options more accessible. Yeah. It's, a, it's not a physical addiction. It's a mental addiction is what I see, you know, cause it's uh, okay. It's five o'clock. I've always had this in my head. Okay. It's five o'clock. I can stop. And that's mostly because I would do real estate into the late hours of the night and I learned to cut it off at a certain point. So that's kind of what I do now. I cut it off at a certain point and say I can relax, but then I don't want to get stuck in front of the TV like you were talking about. I need to do something constructive. And so I've been trying to force myself and I've been like you, I've, you know, sometimes I do better than, than other times, but it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, these COVID times that throw us back on ourselves, create a real crisis around will force. Mm-hmm. Like how am I going to use my will in, in a way that really builds constructive choices? And some days we're going to be better about that than others. Right. But we, we live kind of in an age of a disordered will, as one psychiatrist wrote, that yeah. we've really kind of lost a sense of what it means to use our will for us in a healthy way. I see. Hey, you guys, we're going to go to commercial break again, but we'll be right back here in a minute with Mark Thurston. And Mark, give the audience your website again. It's just markthurston.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's the easiest way. It'll just take you to a bio page about me, but then you're into the website and there's navigation tabs at the top. 
Okay, cool. Hey, this is Nancy Yarrell. This is High Road to Humanity, and we will be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30 minutes coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better? To create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me. And I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, it's Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm lucky to be here today with Mark Thurston. Hey, Mark, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was talking about the rioting and the unrest that's happening in the world right now. Any thoughts on that? Any, I don't know, any thoughts that you might have to talk to people about some of this stuff? Well, I mean, we're, we're observing a lot of the pain of humanity right now. And, I, and 
I mean, it's easy to use a nice little phrase like that, um, but, but I think we need to be willing to, to look at it and be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of two extremes. We can get so overwhelmed by the news that it really deeply discourages us and makes us just want to retreat into our own little safe world. Or the other extreme is just to kind of put our head in the sand, not even pay attention to it. And so each of us, I think, needs to find the point of how much awareness we can stand on a given day or a given week. And first of all, know just having a compassionate attitude about all the suffering that's there. Mm-hmm. And the suffering is certainly those who've been oppressed and, and wounded by you know, the systemic racism and the systemic inequality in our society, for sure. Right. And there's also a lot of suffering by the people are having to enforce the rules or, I mean, it, it's, it's all sides. I know. It's, and, just, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And, you know, and, and then we need to see how that, that, how we participate in that. I mean, what are the ways that I subtly am, am a part of that myself? Well, and, and I'm with you. You need to watch the news, I think, to be informed, but you can't let it affect you to the uh, point where it depresses you or makes you, put your head in the sand. You know, I think you need to be informed. There's like a balance there. Um, what do you think? I think the more for myself, I think the more I'm working on myself and working with my meditation life and trying to build my resilience, mm-hmm. the more I can stand being aware and the more of I can what's... be proactive in making myself aware of what's going on. And to the extent that I'm not doing that kind of self-care and that kind of inner work, then it, it doesn't take much to just make me say, I can't stand it anymore. Right. So, you know, I, I want to build more capacity and more stamina, more emotional stamina, to be willing to look at this and know what's going on and see what even small things I can do to contribute to healing. Right. You know, and lately, and I've been telling some of my clients to don't go and have that, we'll go back to the drink again or smoke that cigarette or whatever the case may be. I say stop and connect with a higher power, whether you call it God or the divine, but stop. Don't take that drink. Don't do that thing that you shouldn't be doing and connect with the universal energy, connect with the divine. And it actually, if you can do that, that's what fulfills us. And that's what calms us down. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about on the meditation thing. It just seems to me with my own addictive behaviors or the ways I try to escape, each of them is kind of a partially successful way to try to get something. Mm-hmm. That something is feeling connected or feeling safe or feeling alive. And I need to keep asking myself, well, what are my options? Yeah, that's one way I could try to feel that again. But are there mm-hmm. other ways that are really in the long run going to be more healthy for me and other people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not so much that there's something wrong with the need. It's just that sometimes the way we go about trying to fulfill the need isn't very constructive or really very sustainable. Right. Well, and, and I just think that uh, there was other things that people can do. I had written down, there were a couple things that uh, 
that it said on the internet and I thought were really good. It's a uh, color or doodle. If you get kind of bored and you want to do something more constructive, go for a walk, which I think people just need to get outside and go for a walk. Even if you have to put a mask on, I ride my bike and I still put my mask on. Um, there was a quote uh, from Mary, uh, or from, sorry, from Lauren Murray, a clinical psychologist and associate at John Hopkins University School of Public Health, uh, and she says human beings are not real great about endless time at home, not really knowing what to do with yourself. And they say, like we were talking, color doodle, go for a walk, sleep, maybe catch up on your sleep. Do some yoga, chat with a friend, listen or play music. I play music a lot. Music is really uplifting, and that seems to help me. And then they say pets, which I've read somewhere that people have gotten, uh, a lot of people have gone out and gotten dogs since they've been home so much because having a pet really soothes you. So um, what do you think about all that? Do you think the, the pet thing is about finding a way to kind of give energy to something else? It's sort of like, being a caregiver. Yeah. There's something deeply meaningful about that. But they give us back. You know, I have a cat sure. and, and yeah. she gives me like the unconditional love and she doesn't say anything bad. <laughs> she doesn't talk back. She just, <laughs> she's just happy that I pet her and feed her, you know? <laughs> so I, I think for our cat, it's a little more of a one way street. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think animals. Yeah. Because they love unconditionally. There are no conditions. Yeah. Yeah. So your cat's a one-way street? <laughs> he's kind of an old cat. I'm, I'm not sure. He's, he, he's got things he wants me to do and wants my wife to do for him, for sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and maybe that's a, a way of connecting with the natural world. Yeah. And having pets is a way of connecting with the natural world. And to the extent that we can, it becomes harder as we get into more inclement weather, but being able to be in nature a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Deeply healing. Yeah. Right. And do things that you enjoy. I think this is a nice time. Like you were saying, you have books that you've always wanted to read and I'm the same. There's so many books that I would like to read and there's so many different things I would like to do. And I love to color. Some people like to paint, you know, some people like to uh, put puzzles together. I mean, it actually gives us time to be a little more creative than we actually were before. Maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, just reaching out to relatives or friends we haven't had time for. Right. Yeah. Calling that aunt or grandma that you don't get to talk to as much. Yeah, yeah I think that's really good. You we know, probably and then, need to realize we're in this for the long haul. This is not gonna this is not gonna change for a while. So, what do you think? What's your thoughts on that, Mark? Um I'm hoping we can go back to school next fall. I mean, I'm not a prognosticator really about this, but I, I think realistically Yeah we're going to have to learn a level of social cooperation that has not been exhibited lately. Mm -hmm. We really are all in this together. It's, it's going to take a while to unwind this. Well, before we, uh, we've got a few more minutes left before the end of the show, but I'm wondering um, what resources that you can guide us towards that uh, maybe the audience can use to help in this time. What are some of those resources? You know, I, I tend to think we all need some kind of spiritual or, or, or religious um, framework mm -hmm. to help us build the things I've been talking about, a more intelligent life, a more resilient life, and so forth. 
And so I, I would encourage people to either go back and reclaim their religious tradition or their spiritual tradition or be curious and kind of find something that, that you resonate to and then use some of this time to go deeply into the teachings and the principles and the practices mm-hmm. that, that reside there. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are, there are fabulous resources that are embedded in spiritual traditions that have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years and have helped people through bigger crises than we're going through right now. Right. That's wonderful advice. There are are spiritual traditions that have helped people through bigger crises than what we're going through right now. So let's draw upon that. Right. And then then I think what we were talking about a moment ago, about just connecting to our own creativity. Mm -hmm. There's something, when, when we're being creative, whether it's making a new recipe or getting out and being in nature. I mean, just ways of being creative help us to connect to our own aliveness and that helps us to be more resilient. And then, you know, finding a handful of people that we're going to adopt even informally and to promote their well-being. That's but neat. To, to release, okay, here's half a dozen people. Maybe some are relatives, some are friends. Maybe there's a stranger or two tucked in there. Yeah. And I, I'm going to make a commitment to help the well-being of those individuals and there's something about that that promotes meaning and can help us through these kind of troubled times. Right. Because it not only helps them, it helps you as well. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. really yeah. that's really good advice. I love your um, saying connect back to religion because that's really what I've been doing and connecting with God and higher power, whatever you want to call it. I call him God. And that's really helped me. So I think that's wonderful that you talk about that because I think we've really lost our spiritual selves and uh, it's time to connect again. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Mark. Thanks for coming on today. What a wonderful conversation. Um, Tell everybody one more time how they can get in touch with you and get your resources. Oh, the easiest way to find me is just my name, Mark Thurston, run together as one word.com. And it takes you to the, a page within the website of the nonprofit educational organization that Mary Elizabeth and I've formed. And then I've also created these guided meditations that are kind of key to contemporary challenges that we're facing. And they're found at tinyurl.com and then forward slash six guided meditations and it's the number six rather than six being spelled out okay all right hey mark thanks for being on today i sure appreciate it yes hey you guys oh thank you you too thank you and you guys this is nancy year out we will see you next week this is high road to humanity have a fabulous Hey, you guys, join me next week on The High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know that by staying on The High Road, you will make it to your destination. Visit my website, nancyyearout.com, where you can book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities. And check out my YouTube channel. It's Nancy Yearout's High Road to Humanity. You can achieve your goal. Let's hit the high.